Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here, your career bestie. And welcome to another episode of the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the only place you need to be to make sure that you are up-leveling your leadership career as a woman in tech. Today, I'm talking about why you need to delete 80% of your to-do list. Some of you may well find that incredibly triggering, panicky, but stick with me here. Trust me while we dive into this topic. I have got some insights, some words of wisdom, and of course, as always, some tools and tactics for you to use to actually reduce your to-do list. What I'm going to describe to you today is actually a method that I teach all of my clients. And it isn't so much about deleting 80% of your to-do list, but having a different approach to your to-do list. So stick with me. But before we do that, I do need to remind you that there is still time to get your hands on your seat to the Women in Leadership Summit that is happening in September. Uh, There's still time to get your early bird discount. If you sign up before July 1st, 2022, you can grab yourself a nice juicy discount to signing up to this summit. Now, this summit, you might have heard me talk about it before, so I don't want to go into too much details, but this is a summit all about you. And although we've called it a summit, it's very hands-on. I'm running this with my dear friend and coach, Moira Lethbridge. The two of us are coming into this to give you a really high touch. We're literally only going to accept 40 women maximum into this program. And you're going to get lots of hands-on time from me and Moira. We're going to have breakout rooms, lots of time for discussion. We're both in this event all day. It's online, but we've got breakout rooms. There's a chat so you can ask questions. And because we're both there all day, there's lots of opportunity to get everything answered. If you would love to be coached by me or Moira, and you're not quite sure whether or not coaching is the thing for you, I strongly encourage you to check out this summit. It's not just a great from the point of view of elevating you very quickly as a leader, getting you focused, getting you coherent, getting you on point with what you need to be doing and focusing on your zone of genius. But it's also going to give you a taste of what it means to work with either of us. So if that sounds like the kind of thing you are after this September, if you're ready to make sure that your fall and your winter is setting you up for success for 2023, I urge you to go and check out the website and grab yourself that early bed discount. You can find that link in the show notes. It's a pretty long link, so I'm not going to read it out to you. But you can find that link in the show notes. Go over, check it out, grab yourself that discount. And of course, If you want to find out any more about the program, please do reach out to me. Happy to have a chat with you first if you want to just see whether or not it's a good fit. As you know, I'm not here to hard sell. I'm very much here to help you understand whether or not this is a good fit for you or whether there's something else that would be better. So go over to the show notes and grab that link and go and take a peek. All right, let's talk about deleting that to-do list or 80% of it. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. We've been taught to believe a few things about to-do lists in our lives, so let's bust some myths. First of all, being busy does not equal success. Many of you have heard that before, but how many of you actually live and breathe that? 
We are taught that busy is somehow the thing that we need to be rewarded for. But that isn't true. (laughs) We all see this behavior playing out in the workplace. You've got to be there earlier than everybody else. You've got to be online before everybody else. You've got to finish later than everybody else. You've always got to be busy. Your to-do list has got to be full and you've got to be checking things off. And yet we also all know that isn't actually what gets you the promotion, right? Because if you've ever tried to get a promotion off the back of having a full to-do list, it's often the stuff on your to-do list that is actually stopping you doing the work that will actually get you promoted. And that's the approach I want us to take today. I want you to realize that a lot of what's on your to-do list is not actually moving the needle. Second myth, your to-do list is not a plan and it's certainly not a strategic plan. (laughs) It's often a list of things that has just appeared, it's come out of nowhere, it's a way for our brains to hold on to all the things that are thrown at us throughout the day. It is not a strategic plan. Number three, your to-do list does not actually increase your productivity. Well, there's a caveat to that one, which I'm going to come to (laughs) in terms of like letting go of noise in your brain, but a to-do list itself doesn't actually increase your productivity. In fact, for many of us, our to-do lists decrease productivity, one, because we work on the wrong things, but two, because they can be overwhelming. And then finally, to-do lists aren't motivating or inspiring, quite the contrary a lot of the time. A lot of the time they feel stifling and daunting and we don't actually want to tackle them. If that all sounds familiar to you, then I want to help you delete the majority of your to-do lists. Because to-do lists can help us identify what needs to be done, But that's about the extent of it. To-do lists aren't all that great. So let's dig into what we can do. First of all, large to-do lists are actually very difficult to prioritize. This makes them very demotivating. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You look at the list and you can't stay focused. You want to procrastinate. It always leads to overwhelm, frazzle feeling, actually ultimately burnout. And it means we often feel unable to keep our commitments to ourselves, to others, to the team around us. Instead, this to-do list just grows out of control. And at some point you wake up and think, oh my God, there's stuff on here that's been on here for a year. Why haven't I tackled it? And the problem here is that to-do lists aren't the plan. They only cause further anxiety a lot of the time. They don't allow you to differentiate between what must get done and a wish list of what would be nice to get done. They provide far too much flexibility And that makes it easy to get distracted, pull away from tasks at hands, lose focus, generally just not tackle what we really need to be doing. So what do we need to be doing? How do we make this work? Well, let's talk through my step-by-step system because of course I have a system. (laughs) That's the kind of person I am. And in fact, I have a five-step system for you. I almost feel like they're always odd numbers, my systems. First of all, I like to advocate that we have a regular to-do list brain dump session. What do I mean by this? Well, an opportunity every single day. Yes, I advocate doing this every single day. It needs to be a few minutes though, where you just sit there and get everything out of your head. Personal, professional, just get it out. I advocate actually writing this on paper or an electronic notepad. I prefer paper because you're going to like arrange things, just delete things. We're going to get to that in step two. Whereas if you are typing it up, you'll have more of a temptation to keep it on your list later on. But if you just dump it onto a piece of paper first or electronic paper and know that you're then going to move it manually over to an actual to-do list as you organize, when we're going to get into that in later steps, you're going to actually be more prepared to let go of stuff. So this first step, 
totally advocate writing it down. But if you are like me and you actually type faster than you handwrite, don't make that wrong, but put it somewhere temporary, like a little text document. Now, the key thing here is to not judge, not try and organize as this stuff comes out. I want you to just add and add and add. Now, this may seem counter to the entire topic of this podcast episode. I want you to add to your to-do list at this point. I want you to have lots and lots of things coming out and adding. But stick with me here. If you resist getting everything down, if you are judging as those things are coming out, you're far more likely to end up with information rattling around your head that you haven't allowed out and onto paper. So this exercise, step one, is all about brain dumping all of the things personal professional before doing anything else. Step number two is to streamline. Streamline that stuff you just brain dumped. It's time to delete. <laughs> now we aren't going to get to 80% deleted yet, but we're certainly going to try. Most of what you have on what you've just brain dumped and most of what we have generally on our to-do list are actually nice to have instead of must-haves. Things like it would be nice to produce this guide on how to use our new product, or it would be great to add this new concept into our marketing pipeline, or it would be great to tidy up that software stack. I'd love to make a cake for that party on Saturday. Notice there's personal and professional in there. In some contexts, all of the above may well be essential. Maybe it's your kid's birthday. Maybe the concept of a marketing pipeline is the number one priority to achieve your new strategic milestone. Maybe you actually need to have a completely new look at your software architecture to provide future-proofing and resilience, and that is currently your number one strategic priority. But ask yourself, are all of these things must-haves or are they actually nice-to-haves? You can't have all of it being must-haves because otherwise you've got no strategic direction. So ask yourself, one, is this essential? Two, if it is essential, can I outsource it? Three, if I can outsource it, is it worth the money to outsource it? If not, then maybe it's not actually as essential as you think it is. This is one I use personally a lot. <laughs> so it works really well with personal ones because it's our own money. But actually, when we start treating our budget in the same way at work, it's very interesting what we are and aren't prepared to outsource. And also, when you're outsourcing to a team member, you know that you've got to take them off something else. And again, it's like, is it worth it? What am I going to take them off in order to allow them to do this? I think when we think about other people doing the work, we really get better at saying, is this a nice to have or is this a must have? Whereas for some reason, we think our own time is somehow malleable and flexible and we can just fit in everything. <laughs> it's just not true, my love. And you know that logically, because if you put yourself in the position of this has to be outsourced, you start having different questions about how important it is. So if you cannot outsource it, is it worth the money? In fact, caveat question to that one is, if you can't outsource it, why not? What could you do to outsource it? Because that might just help you think a little bit about if I was in the mindset of outsourcing it, how would I actually feel about it? Question four is, does it make everything easier or unnecessary? This is a question I love to ask about everything we do. Whenever I'm setting strategic priorities, whenever I'm planning out my future quarter, I organize things based on what's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary. If it's not this thing I'm about to do, then maybe that's not the next thing I should be doing. Now, sometimes things are actually blockers, right? I can't do step two until I've done step one because, you know, logic. I can't <laughs> send an email until I've drafted it, right? Some sort of logic there. But sometimes we can also do things that make other things on their list unnecessary. So 
Um, a classic example of this is if you're being asked to do lots of one-offs. So I had a client not that long ago who worked in HR and she kept being asked to do one-off um, assessments of whether team members were ready for promotion. And she knew that what she needed to be doing was put in place a ladder framework for promotions and it would make all that work go away. And at some point we had a conversation where I was like, you know what, you just need to put your foot down, put all those requests on hold and say, I'm going to do this project because it makes everything else go away. (laughs) And it became her strategic priority because it freed up her time long term. There was a big upfront cost, but within a couple of months, it would have paid for itself. So sometimes you need to ask yourself, is the thing I'm approaching here going to make everything else easier or unnecessary? If not, why is it on the list? Or why is it so high up the list? Finally, ask yourself, is this aligned with our strategic priorities right now? And you should have a personal set of priorities as well as professional. So this applies personally as well as professionally. If you can't answer yes to at least one of those five questions, it needs to go from your to-do list. My opinion is if you can't answer yes to at least two of those, I think you should strike it out. So get through it. (laughs) Delete stuff from the to-do list. If you can't find it's essential, make sure it's outsourceable. If you can outsource it, is it worth it? Does it make everything else easier or necessary? Or is this aligned with a strategic priority? You need to be answering yes, ideally to at least two of those, ideally more than that. The more, the better. In fact, the really high priority items, in my opinion, the ones where you can answer yes to basically everything. The outsourcing is a way of tackling the problem, but it's a good way of like understanding how important it is to you. Do not be tempted to put all of this stuff on your to-do list until you have done that step. Okay, at this point, before you put stuff on your to-do list, we're going to step three, remove the unachievable. It's to time delete some more stuff. I told you there was more. (laughs) Now I want you to go through the remainder of your list and for each item, ask yourself, is this realistically achievable? Can I do this by the timeframe available to me? For example, let's take a personal one. If you need to make that cake for a birthday party at the weekend, maybe it is your kid's birthday and you know, there's there's a big deal waiting for that one. But the reality is the party's in three days time. You've got back-to-back meetings at work. You're working late and you haven't even wrapped the kids present. What do you do? You get realistic. It's time to delete and come up with another plan. Sometimes it's really, really hard to see another plan. There's a reason I took a kid's kid's birthday cake for this one. Because they push our emotional triggers. We feel like failures if we don't do these things it's my kid's birthday. How can I not be the one that makes the birthday cake? That's what I've always done. They're expecting it. And it pushes all our buttons and it makes it much harder for us to make logical decisions because our emotions are swirling all over the place. Quite rightly too, right? This person, this kid or whatever it is that's pushing your buttons, whether it's a child's birthday cake or something else, it's important to you. We should acknowledge and accept that. However, sometimes we need to recognize that you do not have time. (laughs) So one of the ways of solving that problem is like, this is really, really important. I cannot not do this. However, something else has got to give. So you will need to come up with another solution. What else can give in your agenda or what could you do differently? Sometimes, for example, deciding to go and order a birthday cake from somebody else or ask a relative to make something is a better step forward. You don't have to solve all these problems yourself. So in general, some things to think about are whether you can outsource or delegate, can this be done by somebody else? Can you go a step further and outsource the outsourcing? I love to do that. 
I outsource the outsourcing by getting my team to identify solutions for me and telling them to then go and procure. And maybe I get on a call with like a particular person if it's a big expense, small expenses, I just sign off now, right? I bet you do that. If you're a leader with a budget, I bet you get other team members to make decisions. You can apply that to everything. Outsource the outsourcing. Can a member of your team or another family member own this problem for you? Birthday cake alert here. You don't have to own the problem of the birthday cake. Can your partner do it? Can a sibling of yours do it who's an aunt or uncle to that kiddo? <laughs> I bet they're good. The next question to ask yourself is, is the task unachievable because you're trying to do too much, but the problem still needs to be solved? In this instance, I love to change the to-do task into an ideation task. How can I solve this problem? Identify the problem or challenge, the milestone that you're actually addressing and put an action on your to-do list that addresses finding alternative solutions. There are always more ways to solve a problem than you think. So a lot of the time something feels very unachievable, change that to-do list item into an action to find alternatives. And suddenly you're ideating for solutions rather than actually digging into a particularly big sticky issue that's really uncomfortable. Just changing that makes it an easier thing to approach. You then from that update your to-do list, but that's several weeks time, It isn't so much punting things down the road as actually acknowledging this big sticky thing in front of me is unachievable. The third option to consider here is if the task is unachievable because it's too amorphous in some way. If you feel like this item is too unwieldy, daunting, swap the task for something that is along the lines of break this down to smaller tasks. I love doing this. If I've got some stuff on my to-do list, and this does happen, if I go through this process, I actually put everything on my to-do list and sometimes I look at my to-do list and think, gosh, that's like a three-hour job or a week's job. Why is that on there? That still happens to me, right? Despite everything I'm telling you right now. I will literally swipe that from my to-do list and instead put in a task that is identify how to break this thing down. And it's a 30-minute task, short and sweet. And suddenly my brain isn't as adverse to tackling it. It feels easier because I'm saying, let's break it down. That's the first task I'm tackling. You'll find after taking this step that you've removed some more from your to-do list, things that aren't achievable, or you've broken the list down into something that feels a lot less unwieldy. Okay, so now we have done this trimming in lots of ways, we are going to actually update your master to-do list. You've now got a trimmed list from your brain dump earlier today. You've probably got a master to-do list somewhere else that has things that you've carried over, whether it's paper or electronic, I don't care at this point. But you've now got two things. You've got the brain dump, which has got a whole load of it crossed out, I hope. And you've got the stuff that you've carried over. Now, if this is the first time you've done this, I would suggest you go through your master to-do list and do the same exercise we've just done so you can get rid of a whole load of stuff on there, make them more achievable. But it's also important to now amalgamate. So everything's in one place. Now, I actually, that comes with a caveat. I have a personal to-do list and a professional to-do list and they're not in the same place because I don't want to be looking at my professional to-do list at the weekend, firing my brain up. Now, I love my job. It isn't that I don't love my job. Um, One of the things I used to find when I was working for other people and I didn't love my job so much is that when I would look at my work to-do list, I got stressed out the weekends. Sunday blues, hating Monday mornings, all that sort of stuff. I hope that's not you, my love. I really do. If it is, we should chat. (laughs) But Now I find that if I look at my professional to-do list at the weekend, I want to dive in and I know that it is for the benefit of myself and my business to take time away from my business, to take time away from the work that I so love doing and I get to create all the time. It so energizes me. 
but my brain works better if it's had proper downtime. So I do separate out the professional and the personal. I have a personal to-do list, which is actually just a text document because I try and keep that super small because I'm just too damn busy, like honestly. (laughs) So I keep that one super, super small. And then I have a professional to-do list, which is in uh, Notion is what I'm currently using. I I change my to-do list solution a lot of the time. My team and I also use Asana, but I have like the personal things for me in Notion because I can organize it in a way I love so much. Um, Asana is really a way of tracking projects as a whole with the team. So kind of fun. But whatever tool you use, don't mind. But what I do not want is for you to rely on 20 scraps of paper. Paper is great. I actually use paper throughout the day to allow myself to gather my to-do list as the day goes on. I'm not trying to open up Asana or Notion and add to it. Um, I know I'm literally mixing the professional and the personal, like, oh, I need to call the doctor. Great. I put that on the list, right? I don't try and like judge throughout the day, like what should go where. I don't organize it during the day. I just think of something, get it on the piece of paper, go back to what I was working on. That's a really great tip, by the way. Allow yourself to have something like that. But the key thing is, do not rely on those scraps of paper to own these to-do lists. So take your list now and add what you've brain dumped today to this favorite tool, whether it's paper, whether it's a document, whether it is an app, I don't care, but have one place for your to-do list. If you use paper, then you probably will find that you write it out every day. That's absolutely fine. Uh, I have no, no problem with that at all. I write out the couple of things I'm working on every morning, even though I use Notion and Athana. Um, I then recommend categorizing your to-do list by project or responsibility. Then within each of these categories, order them by priority and timeline. This is why I love something like Asana or Trello or anything like that, where you can have some sort of board and dragging and dropping because you can just dump everything in there as individual items. And then you can go through within a category. So like you've got a project to launch a podcast. I had a a podcast project for a long time. And we had all these things that we needed to do as a team to launch the podcast. I just brain dumped them all. And then I went in and I just ordered them. That applies to anything. You probably do this all the time. You do it with your team. I want you to do it for yourself. I want you to do this every single day for yourself. It's really, really important because it's going to actually help you understand what is actually essential. A lot of the time when you do that ordering, you will see duplicates of ideas, of thoughts, of what really needs to be on there and you can chop even more. At this point, I would expect that you're around about 50% of your to-do list that you started with, if not more, like has gone than that. So this is a really important point to just allow yourself to be like, wait, hold on, there's some duplication. If I do that, I don't really need to do that. Put it in context of those projects, organize it, recognize what is going to make everything else easier or unnecessary because it's going to allow you to then be like, I don't need to do that other item that I thought of last week and allow yourself to cut even more out. Which brings us to the final step, step five, getting down to 80% or less of what we started with. Now, for some people, as I said at the top of the show, the title of today's episode has probably been quite triggering to you. How can you get down to 80%? Well, as I've just mentioned, you're probably down to somewhere between 20 and 50% of what you started with. And I've known a few people who could cut out even more at that point. And to be honest, that's often because they started out with more noise on their list and there's nothing wrong with that. The more we practice steps one, two, and three, particularly two and three, and a little bit of four, the one where you're actually organizing a little bit more and you can start seeing duplicates, 
the shorter those initial lists will be because your brain is trusting that you aren't duplicating anymore. So you do need to practice. But initially, a lot of people will end up having a lot of duplication when they actually look at what's going on, when they organize it, when they take that time, and they can actually get down to about 20% of their original list. And this is so incredibly important because if you can get down to 20%, there's a lot less noise. There's a lot less decision-making needed when you look at your to-do list. This puts you in the right mindset for actual execution. By doing these five steps once a day in one finite time box without trying to also at the same time think of, oh, I need to do some deep work. What am I going to do next? Which is typically when we look at our to-do list is what am I doing next? Rather than having dedicated to-do list time for managing it. If we do that, we just get overwhelmed and swamped. We make less good decisions. It drains our decision-making capabilities. So what I want you to do instead is have this 15 to 30 minutes. You will get it down to 15 with practice as you will learn that your, your brain is going to start trusting that you have captured everything, that everything's under control, and it's going to need to give you less to start with, right? You're going to get much better at not holding on to things as much. Now, that doesn't mean if it's in your head, it shouldn't come out. It absolutely should come out. If it's in your head, your brain is not going to let go of it until you do something with it, until you write it down and actively acknowledge it's no longer needed, <laughs> which is why I say write it down, but then don't judge until steps two and three and four. Writing it down is so incredibly important for this process to work, but you then need to organize and triage and you shouldn't be expecting to fit that in in amongst the rest of your work. Now, I know I'm saying you need 15 to 30 minutes and you're like, I don't have 15 to 30 minutes every day. What if I told you this would give you an hour or two back every day because you were more productive? You weren't focused on the minutiae. You were focused on what really matters. You were doing what that actually moves the needle. What would you say? Would this be a no-brainer? Because this is the reality. When I do this work with people and it is work to train yourself in this new habit. But if you can actually do this, you will be so much more productive. Okay, let me get back on track and talk about what you need to do now. You've got your organized to-do list by projects, by responsibilities, by priority ordered. Here's the bit where you're going to get down to 20% or less, potentially even less than that, depending on how big it is to start with. It's time to select three to four items that you're going to complete. And that is it. Now, if you have 100 items, three to four is going to be three to 4%. But I'm hoping you've got far fewer than that. Why do I want you to set three or four items? Honestly, because that's all your brain can focus on at one time. If every time you go to your to-do list, you say, what are the next three to four items? If it's a big task, the next single item, that's all you take off your to-do list. You put it somewhere else. I tend to have a piece of paper next to me all day, as I said. And at the top of the piece of the paper, I put my focus for the day and my top tasks, one, two, and three, that I'm going to do in amongst my other items, my other work, whatever I've got scheduled in my calendar. Depending on how much I've got in my calendar, those items can be bigger or smaller. But that's it. That's what goes on my piece of paper at the beginning of my day. I also actually have um, a plugin for my browser called Momentum, which I love, by the way. I'm not like selling this to anybody, but I love it. It gives you a nice picture and a quote of the day. But I also put my focus of the day in there. So if I have one big task, my focus of the day goes on my browser. So every new tab I open, I'm like, that's my focus of the day today. An even better approach to this is if you have predetermined blocks in your calendar. So for example, Wednesday mornings, you're going to work on a particular software project. Or Thursdays, you're going to work on this new initiative at work, right? If you knew that that's your time, you don't have any meetings, it's blocked out, 
then you go to that category in your to-do list. And because you've already organized it, you take that first item that's at the top of that sub to-do list, the one from that particular project, and that's it. You take that one thing, you copy it. If you need the details, you put it somewhere else. I don't care, but you get out of your to-do list and you have that one thing. That's taking it to the extreme, but it's really powerful. If you're the kind of person that gets distracted every time you go in your to-do list and ask yourself, well, what should I do? And I could do this and I could do that. I could do the other. This is a great tool for encouraging you to focus. It's not magically going to help you sit down at your computer and do two hours of deep work with no inhibitions. Deep work is a muscle that you have to learn and train and it takes effort, right? That's not the topic of today's podcast, but it can really help you get into that mindset of like, no, this is what I'm focusing on. Stop looking at the to-do list, Tony. No, no, this is what I'm focusing on. It can just really help you zone in on what really matters and use your precious and limited decision-making resource for what really matters, the work in front of you, not for managing your to-do list items. Okay, let me just recap all those five steps. First of all, have regular to-do list brain dump sessions. Number two, streamline those. Number three, remove the unachievable. Number four, organize your to-do list master list. Steps one, two, three, and four, you should be doing every single day in about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how experienced you are at this process. And then step five, get down to 80% or less for your actual time of work. I've got some final points for you. Don't use your to-do list as a memory aid. It can be tempting to add every thought and idea to your to-do list. But I hope I've convinced you now that you can do the brain dump to let go of things instead of holding on to the hundreds of impossible to achieve desires, wishes, and goals and hide what really matters in amongst all that noise. Use steps one, two, and three to do that, to allow you to get it out so that what really matters is then able to shine through. We all have more great ideas than we can actually achieve in our life. The trick to being a superstar is having the confidence and the mindset to let go of the 99% so you can focus on just one thing at a time. If you can, group tasks by deadline. If you don't like grouping by project or responsibility, another solution is to group by deadline. This can massively reduce the time spent organizing your list. So if you don't like the project approach, which some people really don't, assign everything a deadline and organize by that. You then literally open up your to-do list and the thing at the top is the next thing to do because it's organized by deadline. It can introduce a lot more context switching because you might go from one project to another. So be wary of this approach. But for some people's work, it works really, really well. And don't forget, scale back that to-do list. Delegate, automate, outsource. You know, I'm a big believer in all of that. If you're a leader, you need to learn how to do that. <laughs> learn how to say no to tasks you cannot dedicate the time to. And stand firm on your boundaries, my love. So there you have it. That's how to get to 80% or less of your to-do list. I hope that wasn't as triggering for you as you might have thought it was going to be at the beginning of today's episode. I would love to know whether or not you approach your to-do list this way, you have better ideas. Drop me a DM over on LinkedIn. Would love to hear from you. But remember, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.